Welcome back to the Hard Parking Podcast. Before we get started, I got to remind you guys about our title sponsor, Talk Mobile. Talk Mobile is an innovator in retail and works with organizations like T-Mobile to operate stores throughout Arizona, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Louisiana. For more information and to jumpstart your career, please visit TalkMobileNet.com. Again, that's TalkMobileNet.com. Gonna jump right into a few things on myself this week, which means I'm not going to talk your ear off for an hour and a half. Hope you guys checked out the last episode with Eric Pasha of Last Air Brand. We did a fun podcast about uppity. Later on, we'll be joined by my Instagram profile highlight of the week, Gabe Hernandez of GH Comics. First, I don't really have a lot of stuff to complain about. It's kind of a scary time right now. Everyone's kind of flipping out about this certain virus. Sounds kind of like a beer, but it's not. I'm not going to really talk about it. But one thing I am going to say is that I had no idea... Apparently, I'm not taking enough shits. I am way behind. So when all this panic clears up, hopefully I can go to the doctor and get my movements checked out because, again, obviously I'm not shitting a lot. One thing, though, by the way, have you ever used a bidet? Strange thing to say, though. It's super weird if you haven't used one. I did use one in Italy, and I'm telling you, the thing will change your life. Squirts a nice warm stream of water up your ass. Right after you take a duke, comes with like these little disposable wipes we obviously don't have one here at our house in arizona because most homes don't have one on the western side of the world however we do have two garden hoses and a kitchen sink with a spray attachment i'll tell you this if you're gonna do it just make sure your hoses are on the correct spray setting otherwise shit could literally get sloppy also as tempting as it may sound if you have a pressure washer in the garage or the shed Stay away. Even on the lowest setting, I'm willing to bet you, you don't want none of that. Or you can just spread your ass in the shower. Or maybe buy paper towels. You can get bounty and fold it into fours and use all sides for efficiency. Or put the paper towels on a table saw. I don't know. I'm done talking about this. So I did a little homework. I watched a couple documentaries. I went and watched Shelby American. Probably comes to no surprise that Shelby American is produced by Adam Carolla and his group. Just like the 24-Hour War, just like Uppity. He's had a few others in the past. Um, he had one with about Paul Newman, which I still haven't seen. Shelby American. So basically, it's just another angle, a more in-depth review of Carol Shelby himself. So you got Ford versus Ferrari, which is the cinematic movie. You have the 24-Hour War. This one is full of information you have to really be paying attention and you have to be ready to watch it because it is straight documentary there's one car that i saw in ford versus ferrari that i completely forgot about so i was watching shelby american it's the daytona coupe like the mid-60s daytona coupe that is one of my favorite old school cars i've loved the car first time i ever really saw one was at barrett jackson out here in scottsdale when i first moved here like five years ago I said, that car is sick as shit. Love the way it's shaped. Didn't really know much about it. Every time I see one, I'm like, man, that is a car I would love to have. And in the movie, in Shelby American, that, that, that vehicle, they had a really good run. So before they did the Ford GT or the GT40 program, that, that was their car. That was America's car. That was the Shelby car that was kicking ass in all the series. Kicking ass over in Le Mans. 
across seas. And so they were winning with the Daytona Coupes where they're trying to develop the Ford GT program, the one that, you know, you all know from Ford versus Ferrari. Pretty sad, though. Ford wanted to focus because apparently, according to this, all Ford really cared about was less about beating Ferrari as far as the movie made it. It seemed like really the real rivalry was between Carroll Shelby and Ferrari, which I found fascinating. And Ford just having to come along. Ford says, Ford's like, I don't care. We want our motors in the cars and we want our cars to win. Everything else, we don't give a shit about. So I thought coming from that perspective, it was pretty interesting. One of the travesties of the movie almost was once they got the Fords going, the, the Ford GTs, the Daytona Coupes finished, what, first, second, third, a couple times, I believe. And they sold or lent them out to some other team over in Europe. And Ford didn't want them back. Carroll Shelby didn't want them back. According to this documentary, he told them just to dump them in the sea. Now, can you imagine? They didn't end up doing it. But can you imagine dumping those now to us most prized vintage race cars in the middle of the sea? That is insane. So the driver, the, the race team over in Europe, they uh, they ended up sending them back, shipping them back here. Thank God. So the documentary, I, I recommend you guys checking it out. It's called Shelby American. Really worth watching. I think I like the 24-hour war better. But again, like I had no idea what the whole story, the history was, was with the Daytona Coupes. That is a bad car, by the way. Checked out Hyperdrive. So I talked about Hyperdrive. So Hyperdrive is a Netflix series. And I don't really know how to describe it because it is kind of like the reality motorsports in a sense. So what it is, is a bunch of competitors and each week, you know, they have a huge grid. So just like any other competition show, people get knocked out and the people who advance go to the next week. And then eventually they bring everybody back to have another chance. Just like if you watch Chopped. I mean, I don't know if you guys watch. You watch like Chopped or Nest Food with Network Star or. Any one of those shows where you, have, where you start off at the beginning and you have a bunch of people and then just slowly move to the top and the winner of the whole competition gets all the whatever. So on Hyperdrive, it's a series of, it's obstacle course basically with a bunch of different style drivers from all around the world. So you have to drift, you have to balance, you know, you have to, it's set up to where you have to be skilled. You have to have a lot of luck too. Um, Charlize Theron is the, is the big name attached to this. She's one of the main producers and it's got, you know, three or four commentators. Some of them, you know, you recognize from the sports, like Lindsay Sarniak and Mike Hill. I remember Mike Hill from ESPN, and now he's on Fox, and now he just does whatever. The reason I tuned in is because one of the main competitors, Fielding Shredder out of Texas, the drift guy, and I said this a few episodes ago, he's the one who judged my car at a Future Collector Car Show out here in Scottsdale. And so I was like, hey, you know, everyone's talking about, hey, that's the guy from Hyperdrive, and I don't, I don't watch shows I, I believe it or not I hardly ever watch anything that has anything to do with cars like I'll watch Venture Brothers cartoon my favorite cartoon but I checked it out I downloaded it and in between my flights you know I have a short flight every week which by the way I'm recording from my home so if you don't like the way I sound you can blame it on my environment and I left the clamp for my boom arm in my work desk so what I had to do is I brought a drill bit in here and I drilled a hole through my desk I got like this metal sleeve with a cuff on it and I just stuck it in there so now it's kind of wobbling back and forth it's a little janky but it works. I'll take it. So anyway, I'm watching Hyperdrive and I'm watching Fielding Shredder. I'm like, holy shit, this dude is badass. He's a little reckless. So he keeps banging up his car. And so I'm watching through like the first, second, third episode or whatever. He comes around too hard, smashes the back of his car, gets eliminated. And so I was kind of conflicted. I go, ah, 
And then really the only, I found myself actually rooting for him because I met the guy. I've talked to him. Super nice guy. I was like, ah, I downloaded the rest of the season. I don't know if I'm going to keep watching it. I'm not really like, I don't really care about anybody else in the show. I mean, there's some cool kids from Brazil and some shit like that. But I decided to keep watching it. Sure enough, they have one of those episodes where all these people who got eliminated can come back. And they do these, you know, these face-off rounds. And every time he would, he would just like barely make it. And he'd have to go to the playoff, barely make it, go to the playoff. Ended up being a really good show. Ended up finishing, I believe, third, if I recall correctly. And man, that was just pretty cool. So anyway, so that's, I watched Hyperdrive. So if you guys get, if you're bored, you want to see something kind of fun and cool, check out Hyperdrive. It's on Netflix. It's worth watching. And it's coming from a guy who doesn't watch anything. Like I didn't watch, God, what's that fucking show? Those guys from, uh, from Top Gear Europe when they did the thing in America a couple years ago. Like I tried to watch that. I didn't get through the first episode. I'm just not into stuff like that. Believe it or not. Can't tell you anything about the latest hypercars. I don't care anymore. And the stuff I can tell you about, it's very little. Like, when we get back, I'll tell you kind of an update on my thoughts on the Chevy Corvette and the Toyota Supra. Many, 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 many episodes ago, Brando and I sat there and we talked about, you know, what would you get for $50,000? Would you get the Supra or would you get the new C8 Corvette? I think we both lean toward the Corvette for obvious reasons. But I do want to take a small victory lap with the Supra. A lot of people still don't like it. I understand. It's a great looking car. And just like I said before, they're going to eventually learn how to make it fast and they've made it fast. But now you got the wheels, you got the body kits. Now they look just like the MK4. When the MK4 came out, I'm sorry, not a pretty car. Drove like a boat. Handled like shit. I understand not everything can handle like an NSX. And I'm not saying an NSX, I'm not saying an NSX is the best handling car in the world. But from where it's from and how long it's been around, it can still outhandle most of the cars on the road. And you compare it against cars from the 90s, Toyota Super notwithstanding, not a driver's car. Once people started putting lipstick, wheels, everything else on it, making it look cool, Powerhouse Super got a hold of it, started running nines, people loved them. That's just how it goes. Now, I don't dislike the Supra, the MK4 Supra, which is what, guys, what, 93 to 98 maybe? Or 93 to 97? I want to say 93 to 98. Hell, maybe it's 92. It's kind of a good looking car, but it's not as good looking as everyone says. Anyway, so, you know, the new Supra, Toyota Supra, or you can call it BMW Supra, haha. It's a good looking car too. Now, if you thought it's going to look like the FT1, shame on you. That's not how shit works. And here's how it would have worked. They come out with the Supra. It looks a lot like the FT1. The Supra to FT1 is like the old Mitsubishi Mirage versus the full blown out Evo. Because you can tell that the Mirage and the Evo kind of came from the same loins. But they were not the same cars. So go back and Google, if you know some of you kids listening to this, go back and Google like... I don't know, like maybe like a 1993-94 Mitsubishi Mirage. And then look at like the Evo from that year or somewhere around there. That is the FT1 in the Supra. So leave the Supra alone. It's a good looking car. I don't want one. I didn't want one before. I thought the FT1 looked cool. But had the FT1 came out or the Supra came out, it looked more like the FT1. Then it'd be $120,000 at least. And everybody would be complaining. They'd say, I'm not paying that much for a Toyota. I wanted to pay that much. I just pay a couple hundred thousand more and buy an LFA. I mean, that's just how people are. People are dumb. If you're one of those people, you're dumb. Because I promise you, that is what the argument would have been. No offense, Chris Cut. 
one of the questions you asked is questions of the week that I'm not answering, and we could talk about it. I'll talk about this with anybody. Should the NSX have come with rear wheel drive, a manual transmission, and been $90,000? You're out of your fucking mind. No. That's not for a Halo car. That wouldn't make any sense. How you can go out and buy a, uh, you know, a used GTR? There's a ton of Porsches out there that are just still... Porsche keeps kicking out king of the road after king of the road after king of the road. Nobody knows, nobody cares unless you're a hardcore Porsche guy because you see them everywhere. They haven't lost a step. You're going to get a used Porsche Turbo for the same price as a brand new something else? Honestly, it's really a Porsche Turbo every day or GT2 or GT3 or whatever trims they have. Porsche is still king, pound for pound, in my opinion. Let's look at the C8. So the C8s are finally starting to take delivery. That's a badass car. Don't want one. Checked them out in person in Monterey last year. It's got some funny angles. In race trim, you know, just Google the, the C8 Corvette race version or whatever the hell. Like the legit race car version. That thing looks badass. No funny angles. But for some reason, the, the, the road car, like the rear, the rear wheel fender, there's just a lot of room between the top of that tire or the fender and then the top of that body panel. I mean, it just, that's just a funny looking gap. That's like the Hyundai Tiburon type gap from like the, the early 90s, which used to be the, ugly, the, the Tiburon that looks like a spider, like literally a spider that's crawling up the wall spider. It's got like all these little eyes and it's fat and it's ugly. So that angle, that's what the C8 looks like. It is a badass car though. And I believe like the 1991 NSX, that C8 Corvette has put the world on notice. So I'm kind of excited to see what's going to happen with that. Maybe I can get a Corvette specialist on here eventually. I don't think it's going to happen. It's time for the Builder's Corner segment, sponsored by DressUpBolts.com. Follow them at DressUpBolts on Instagram and visit them at DressUpBolts.com. They have titanium bolts that not only vastly improve the look of your vehicle, but serve as a purpose, serve as a purpose as well. Available to dress up the engine and engine bay. They have kits ready to go for your specific application. If you can't find your vehicle, like Mike, who I have on the phone, they don't have BMWs on there, but they can get you whatever you need because I've had them pieced together. Our Builders Corner guest is Mike from Element Wheels in Chandler, Arizona. We're going to talk about wheel fitment. That's one of the biggest things people were kind of curious about, I guess. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jay. That's awesome to be on the uh, podcast here, man. You know, we've been trying to get you on. We've been talking about it. It's, I'm pretty excited to actually have you on. So I want to talk about wheel fitment because what's what do people always say when you post your car? There's, they don't even ask. They just say, specs? Question mark. Yeah. It's kind of a commonality in the industry. Anybody who wants uh, to know about the wheels, it's, that's all they got to say. Just <laughs> what are your specs? <laughs> but it's cool, though, because it, it's cool that that matters. You know, there, it, it, there's a lot of time. There's a lot of math that goes into making fitment perfect. So it's good whenever people can appreciate it. Right. And there's there's probably functional fitment. There's, you know, street fitment. You know, if you're going to the track, your fitment's going to want to be different. I think I'm just going to start telling people the fitment is 36, 24, 36. <laughs> I like See it. what happens. The fitment is C Mike here. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> right. So like to break it down for the listeners, I can tell them because I get that a lot on my NSX. And honestly, I've, I literally had to keep a note of my fitment because not with my current setup, but when the offsets and we'll talk about that in a minute, 
yeah. are different, you know, I don't remember. And so people are looking to you to know, so they don't want to go out and do the research. They can just say, okay, I like the way that looks. I drive the same car. I want that exact setup. What do you have? So like right now on the front, mine are 18 by eight and a half plus 22. So for the listeners, most of you know, hopefully that's 18 inch real circumference, eight and a half inch from front to back as far as inside to the outside of the wheel and plus 22 offset from the center bore, kind of like a hard angle. That's what I think everyone gets caught up on are the offsets. Yeah. So in the olden days, it was always backspacing. And that verbiage isn't really used anymore. So everybody refers to it offsets now. Who's really a car person? They they kind of transitioned over. But essentially, the backspacing is how much space you have behind the back pad of the wheel before it would hit whatever's the closest object. So if that's the caliper, if that's the suspension, whatever that is, you need to do the math to come out and clear that. And so offsets are different from the front and rear because your brakes are different size from front and rear. And a lot of rear-wheel drive cars, you always see that they have that really concave rear or a bigger dish in the rear than the front. And the reason for that is because you can't fit that much in the front because of the, the brake size, typically. So that's what people are looking for is, is nailing the fitment to come flush with the fender. And most people just want that. But there's so many different fitment options. You could go with you know, your, your drag-style fitment. You could go, you know, that, that's like a huge, huge drag tire on the back with a really small wheel, like a 15 by 10 or something like that. A lot of guys will do crazy drag setups with a lot of tire. Uh, or if you want to go with a straight up, you know, slam to the ground air suspension, then you might go an inch wider wheel than usual, but you got to make sure the offsets are right. So everything tucks and you don't mess up your fenders. So that's, so offsets is just knowing exactly where it starts and where each car's limits are. It's always a range. It's not an exact number. Right. And so I think one of the things that people could get caught up on is the wheel width is always in inches, right? But the offset's always in millimeters. Yeah, it's kind of weird how they they use both, but it's just, it's the relatability of, it's easier to say I have an eight and a half or I have a nine and a half inch wide wheel. But the, the millimeters is just important so you know where the clearance is because you might only clear by a millimeter. If you're Jay Finning and you're rocking your uh, forge lines on your NSX, right. I mean, I remember when we put those on, I mean, you cleared by a millimeter on your brakes, I want to say. I want to say it was that damn close. Is there a, like, what's too close? Because I've seen people like slide a, a credit card in there or, or, or a dollar bill. And in theory, it shouldn't be expanding. But is there possibility for it to move like a micromillimeter? It's not going to make movement. So if it literally is only clearing by a half of a millimeter, then it's just incredibly close. It's, it's never going to move to where that difference is something that you should find worrisome. Uh, that a lot of guys try to make and build their wheels where their face is as far back as possible to get as much dish size as possible and where that back pad would just barely clear the face of the caliper by a couple mils. And that's the benefit you get with a three-piece wheel is that wow factor. It's a, it's a very multi-plane effect. So if you go with a three-piece fully custom-built wheel, it's having your cake and eating it too in the wheel world. You get everything you want. You get it? The wheel world? Versus the yeah. real world. Okay. The, the wheel world, the reality <laughs> of the wheel world. It's like a five year old. Can't say there are. Uh, you got to come in with some chimes or something. Hit a button. <laughs> oh, add some sound effects. Maybe I'll do that. I'll do that just for yeah. you. Yeah, so we you, should. <laughs> you brought up faces, and I was going to bring that up because I think, you know, you can have the same brand wheel with a different face. And I think that's only a multi piece wheel thing, right? Whether it's a two piece or three piece. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Two piece wheel is signifying that you have a barrel and you have a lip. 
and the face is connected to one of those two pieces. So even though it looks like it might have bolts or something to hold it all together, it's not functional. It's not holding air. It's just a two-piece setup. If you do a three-piece wheel, all of those rivets, all those bolts, whether they're hidden or exposed, every one of those hold air. So it's a multi-stage process. But um, if you get a good forge quality wheel, then you don't have issues. You know, there's a lot of kind of fear mongering about three-piece wheels and are they headache or are they not? And the easy answer is if it's a good quality forged product, it's never a headache generally. Uh, it's, it's only whenever you start going with the super stretched tire setups or the really old discontinued JDM wheels that people like to rock nowadays. They're still using Chinese barrels for manufacturing and for rebuilding those wheels because it's more cost effective. And those barrels will never be strong. So when you hit a pothole, there goes your JDM discontinued wheel, uh, which is kind of the benefit of going with the true real three-piece wheel. Everything's forged nowadays, you know, 66, 61 T grade aluminum, like space engineering, the best quality aluminum you can put on your car. And, uh, and that, that's what I have on my car right now. And I, I'm pretty sure yours are the same, but yours are a monoblock, right? Yeah, I have a monoblock. And again, we're talking to Mike from Element Wheels in Chandler, Arizona about wheel fitment. What are some of the top brands of wheels in quality? Because there's a there's a huge variance, right? You can have a brand new wheel manufacturer come out and they want to make themselves known. They have a cool design. They want to compete with some of the existing brands. So they price themselves really high. And you don't know if those are good wheels or not. And there could be other wheels out there like, there I say Koenig, who they're not expensive at all, but they've been around for 30 years. Yep. Yeah. Typically there's a misconception there that you spend more money, you get better quality product. And it's not always the case. There's a lot of brands that just are more expensive because they offer themselves in more ridiculous big sizes and, you know, stuff for dub car show events and things like that. It doesn't even mean it's forged or good quality. It's just bigger, bigger, bigger wheel, more money. But as far as going with a, a cast wheel, a rotary forged or a forged, that's your three basic, you know, what you, what you need to know about wheels is, are you getting a cast wheel, which is supposed to be more affordable easily for a daily driver, but not strong. If you hit a pothole, it's probably going to break. If you go with a rotary forged wheel, then it's not gravity cast. It's made from a block of aluminum, but it's a two piece design. It's still welded. So it comes out as a one piece wheel, but it's basically a face that is a non forged design mixed with a lip that is a forged design. So it's exactly the middle, right? So it's it's the, the part that's most likely to fail on the wheel is the strongest part now. So rotary forge is becoming super popular and you're going to see that in variant. You're going to see that in Rohana. You're going to see that in avant-garde, uh, Brixton forged, BC forged, uh, forge line. All these companies have a different way of naming the procedure, but it's the right. same. It's, it's just a higher quality built wheel that gives you the perfect middle of the road option. So you get the, the little bit of the affordability, but you get the, the comfort and the security of a really quality made wheel without breaking the bank with like a three piece wheel setup. What are some of the more high quality um, balanced wheels um, that you've seen and some that may possibly people at least right now in the first quarter of 2020 may want to avoid? Um, it's honestly like a lot of the older styles that are still popular are just being spread because of their affordability. But there's a lot of them that aren't really improving their quality. So like you mentioned Koenig mm -hmm. a minute ago, they've been mm -hmm. making wheels for a long time, but they're, even though they're lightweight and they advertise they're lightweight, the majority of their lineup isn't something that's super high quality. 
That being said, a lot of companies will have the multi-tiers because you can't really compete just offering only Forged or just offering only Cast. You kind of have to have both options for everybody or at least two of the three options, right? Um, right. But with, with most companies that you hear like Cosmos and Koenig and even some of the Anki designs and like a lot of the popular uh, Odd Hans, the really super affordable wheels, they look cool, but they're just not the quality that you would put on your car. So at Element Wheels, we'll sell you anything that you need to fit your budget, to fit your style, to fit whatever's the purpose of the vehicle. It could be a Ford Pinto that comes on my lot, or it could be a Lamborghini Huracan. It's going to be equivalent to what you drive is what we would recommend for you. And essentially, anytime you want a better quality wheel, we have a lot more companies now that can produce that wheel than there was five, six years back. And there's a lot of options to get a really good quality wheel now. A lot of customization out there. I know that, you know, in the early 2000s, late 90s, everything was basically off the racks. You, like my first set of wheels that I had on the NSX, I had the, the classic Volk Racing TE37s and they didn't offer custom offsets. So I had, I think, plus 43 and then plus 35. I don't remember which was front, which was rear. I just know that I had to kick those out. So they, they didn't have much of a concave, obviously, with those offsets. But in order for me to kick them out and make a match the fender, I had to run, you know, 20 millimeter in, in the rear and 10 millimeter up front. Yeah, to space it out, to get to get the flush fitment that you were looking for or just to clear calipers. Yep. Nope, not yeah, Just get the flush yeah. fitment. Um, earlier, we we're talking about clearing calipers. My first set of BC Forge that I had those, the rears were so concave with the offset that I had to buy spacers until I bought my rear set of big brakes because with the big brakes you get a bigger rotor which in essence pulls the the bigger caliper out further from the center of the wheel like you were saying earlier and then it also changes the wheel design options you have available because if your wheel is a 18 inch but it steps inward on the inside of the barrel then it might not clear the caliper on the outside and that's not something you can fix with a spacer that's something that has to be made perfect so that's why you see a lot of the similar wheel options and designs for certain cars, because some calibers are so ridiculously huge that you you can only fit certain types of wheels with them. And you also mentioned another thing that is a common misconception, and that's that the offset changes the concavity, and it doesn't. It's the width of the wheel that changes the concave profile. And the reason for that is because these wheels are pre-made and then they're drilled and shaved. So even if it's rotary forged, and it's not a wheel that's off the shelf that's in a preset offset of one or two options, for instance, then you can shave the back pad to the millimeter of what you want it to do. And there's a lot of companies that are rotary forged that allow you to do that. And every time you do that, people have this thought that if they go with a more aggressive actual um, offset, that they're going to get more concavity out of the wheel. The wheels are pre-made. So the, the templates are set to how deep they are already. And then all they do is shave the back pad, the number of millimeters you need, because it comes with a fat back pad where you can shave down as much as you need to get it to fit that car. So every wheel gets shaved down and then it becomes lighter and it also fits that exact model of that car when you go with a rotary forged style construction. And so we work with the, the company Variant here in Chandler, Arizona, and they're making all of their wheels that quality and they can make them to the millimeter. And that's why when you hop on variantwheels.com, 
and you look at their gallery, every single car is flush, beautiful fitment. Nothing tucks in there like an OEM style fitment and nothing pokes beyond the fender overly aggressive. We have these things down because we have the templates for every caliper for every car. We're actually working on the C8 next week on a variant wheel design as well. We're really excited about that. So you're saying that the offset has nothing to do with the concavity? It does only when you're building a two or a three piece wheel design. When you're building a one piece that's a mono block, yep, it's always based on the width to give you more concavity because they only shave the pad after the wheel's been produced. So there's no holes that come on the wheel. And then they drill them to your bolt pattern and then they shave the back pad the number of millimeters that is needed for your setup for your car. So that wouldn't change the face. You know what I mean? It's just the default profile. So if an 11 is the most aggressive, then you're going to have to go with an 11. But if an 11 plus 40 will fit on your car, it, because you could fit a 10 and a half, it, some people think some wheels won't work because they're too aggressive. If you have a company that can change the offset, you can go with a ag- more aggressive wheel than you would be able to fit on any other setup. So if, if your car can't fit an 11, but it can fit a 10 and a half plus 35, for instance, then your car will be able to fit an 1145 because this face is going to sit the same way. It's just a bigger contact patch. It's a bigger wheel on the ground. So then you got to work on getting the tire to fit in there. And that's where suspension comes into play more than anything. Right. And you just brought up something uh, that I wanted to hit on. So with the tires, so we can have the exact same wheels and the car is going to look completely different and the clearance could be completely different depending on our tire brand. Yeah, absolutely. The width of the tire, the wall of the tire, the stretch of the tire. So that's one thing people need to consider. So I just picked up, not really, but let's just pretend I just picked up a brand new Toyota Camry. I want to get wheels. I want to bring them to you. I want to shop online first. I can't just grab the same wheels that my buddy has, even if we have the same bolt pattern, right? So there's some things I need to consider. What do I need to consider? So what you would need to consider is the offset difference. There's multiple websites that allow you to see what the widths are from factory. So the one thing we haven't touched on of any of those that's also important is the hub bore size. See, hub bores are usually bored out. That's that's the part that goes up to the vehicle that allows the wheel to be mounted directly to the hub. So the hole itself. Correct. When you take the hub bore and you bore it out to the size you need, it's typically bigger than most vehicles' uh, hub bores because it has to accommodate so many different types of vehicles because hub bores are different sizes. So that's where you would get hub rings, which close the gap between the millimeter difference of the hub bore and the hub of your wheel so that you you don't have any vibrations from those metals rubbing together. And that's really the key thing when you get a better quality wheel. A lot of them make them hub-centric, so they're guaranteed no vibrations. Go. And that's where you get yep. the best, smoothest, comfortable ride when you get a hub-centric. You need to, yep, you need to let them know the exact diameter of your hub, which is also going to be in millimeters. I know that like my E37s, I had hub centric rings for the NSX because they weren't made specifically for the NSX, but all the other ones, I give them the exact specs. And just for people listening, what we're talking about is the piece of metal, the hub, which essentially where your, your lug nuts come out of. And that's one thing that if you borrow somebody else's wheels, they're the same four by 100 by 114 bolt pattern, but they don't fit on your car because first thing you should look at is the hub. Yeah, because a lot of times you'll think they sound that they'll work because the offsets make sense, but then the hub is too Mm -hmm. small because aftermarket wheels are supposed to be bigger to accommodate more vehicles, but every vehicle type is different. 
Now, the one thing that you can rely on, which is kind of nice, so you don't have to think about every single vehicle being different, is that pretty much the lineage of one type of vehicle make is always going to be about the same. Now, you still want to look it up, but generally speaking, it's usually the same. Like any Subaru you get is like a 56 or a 57 hub bore, and that's extremely small. That's smaller than almost every car on the market. And so when you get a wheel that's an aftermarket wheel that's supposed to fit 20 different manufacturers, and that one wheel is now a 73 hub bore, you're a 20 mil difference of the the hub size of the wheel and the the car. That's almost a full inch. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So you're going to feel major vibrations if you don't have something like that taken care of. And sometimes hub rings aren't made in the right size to close that difference and accommodate you. So you you really want to go back to the drawing board. If you've fallen in love with a wheel that's just way off in the hub, you really want to consider getting a wheel that's closer to your hub size or that hub rings are available for. Hub rings are super cheap, by the way. I mean, you're talking 20 bucks for a set or less. So they're just plastic rings that close that exact millimeter gap between the hub and the hub bore on the actual wheel. Perfect. Mike, I want to thank you for joining us for this Builder's Corner segment. Uh, It's extremely informative. I know there's a lot of people out there that absolutely have no idea where to go or how to go about getting wheels for their car or getting the right fitment. Again, this is Mike from Element Wheels. You can also follow him on Instagram at at it's at Ocean Blue M2. You guys can message me any questions you have or you can email me, Mike, at elementwheels.com. Feel free to stop by the showroom and just say what's up. Bring your car by. We can do measurements on the spot. We have vehicle lifts to do every job you need here. So whatever you need. And again, that's if you're in, you know, Chandler, Arizona, or you can go to elementwheels.com. I think they probably have like a find my local installer or whatever. I'm on the website right now. Yeah, we actually ship for free. So we we would probably mountain balance them for you and then just ship them to wherever you're at. So you can reach out to me no matter what state you live in. But if you're local, stop by. Awesome. All right, Mike, thanks for your time. I'll talk to you later. Awesome, man. Talk to you later, Jay. You know, there's not a lot going on when I'm sitting here in my home office. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you'll notice that I don't post nearly as much. For that, I apologize. I would like to complain about something because you're so used to me complaining. I am willing to bet there's not a single person who listens to this who would disagree with the following statement. When you're in a turn lane, like with the turn arrow, like if you're turning left against on a left arrow, maybe if you're turning right on a right arrow wherever you're at, If the vehicle in front of you or you or if anybody puts more than 20 feet between them and the vehicle directly in front of them, you're an asshole. Because you're holding up traffic. Like when the light turns green, if everybody were just to slowly push on the gas a half a second after the person in front of them pushed on the gas, you know how many people could make it through that turn? There's always somebody sitting there playing with their shit, not paying attention, or just decides, especially in Rancho Mirage, where I work, coronavirus, by the way, that they just don't want to move. And so you're sitting there like, okay, I'm running late for work. I just picked up my coffee. Can you please just fucking go? Like when the light turns green and you're four cars back, there's no reason why it should be turning yellow while you get to the light. And then you have to speed through it. And there's really no reason for you to get stuck at the light. Can I get an amen? Just say it wherever you're at when you're listening to this. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Also, word apparently is out. Jay's not giving up any gas money. Haven't seen many SUVs in any parking lots asking me for gas money. Trying to rob me or shank me or kill me. 
specifically SUVs from Mexico with three people in them. Talk about kids for a second. I have a grandson. Super adorable. He loves me. That's what makes him adorable. But I got to tell you, sitting at work the other day, and this has happened multiple times, not to be a complete crank ass about this. I don't have an office. I sit in a cube farm. Something happened. And for anybody who's ever worked, maybe in, I don't know, call center or some sort of setup, some sort of cube farm, some sort of office. So I'm not talking like blue collar labor, but this may happen to you too. Look, you're just chilling. All of a sudden you hear little kids running up and down the hallway. They're visiting mommy or daddy or boyfriend or girlfriend at work. Here's the deal. No one thinks they're as adorable as you do. You have to understand this. Unless it's family, close friends, especially in a public space. So let's keep that in mind when you decide to bring them into the workplace. Let them run back and forth during breakfast at a restaurant. Or don't tranquilize them before you get on the airplane. Where they throw their toys across the plane. Or turn around and stare into the eyes of someone who just wants you and the kids to shut the fuck up and go away. No one thinks they're as adorable as you do. Have some control over your surroundings. Be decent. It's like the people will take their shoes off and stick their foot up on the back of something in a public place. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's not as bad as the to recline or not to recline with your airplane seat. By the way, don't recline unless it's a long flight. I do this thing. So if I really feel like I have to lean backwards and usually I recline if the guy in front of me or the gal in front of me has reclined into me to help even that space. But there's been times where I've had my laptop out and I rarely use it because the flight is so short now where I have it out and all of a sudden that chair just crashes back. No warning. And I just want to fucking put the person in front of me in a sleeper hold. Probably end up on social media. Probably get kicked off the plane. Like I literally want to reach over and choke them the fuck out. But I don't. I'm just glad they didn't break my laptop. Because if they do, what's going to happen? Is the airline going to pay for it? No. Is some random stranger going to give a hell? You care about it and pay for it? No. I'm just going to have a broke computer. Now, they're called laptop trays for a reason. When I want to lean back, what I do is I kind of look back, you know, kind of give them a warning just so they kind of see I'm coming back. I got a big head. So I can't miss this head, this thing in front of them, like turning sideways like the moon. So if you see like a crescent moon, what it is, is the light from outside shining off the side of my head. That means the moon is turning toward you. So I kind of give them a look and I hit the button like a sicko, like a psychopath. And I just slowly back up, like pulling down on a drill press, drilling through some shit. And that's to let them know, coming back, coming back. And I usually don't go all the way back either. I don't always go back. I just go back just a little bit. That's what I do on a plane. Now I know it's like, okay, well, I paid for the money. You know, it's your seat. You paid for it. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, but I mean, have some decency. I mean, those, those planes, are just they're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It feels like the seats. Sometimes you get in a plane like those old Virgin Airlines planes. And I know I'm alienating like 90% of you by talking about this. But at some point you're going to go on vacation. And if you don't, you need to. So what I do is, or you get, you get those, those, those big Virgin planes. Those, I forgot who bought them. Like maybe Alaska Airlines. That's like a party bus in the sky. They got like neon lights and shit. Seats big as hell. Anyway, when we come back, I think I'm going to talk about my Rental car of the week. You guys wanted to hear about it. I'm going to tell you about it. Got some pros and some cons for you. Coming up. Welcome back. Jamming out, jamming out. All right, it's time to talk about Jay's rental car of the week. 
I've had two back-to-back SUVs. One of them I've had before. One of them I've had for the first time. So it gives me something to kind of do a direct compare and contrast to. The week, two weeks ago, I had a Audi Q5. It's the second time I've had a Q5. This time around, Audi got it right as far as the car play. However, they still tease you with the touch screen. It's not actually a touch screen. It's just a display and you have to rotate the little dial and it circles the little icon. And so you're pushing buttons. It's hands-free, but it's a minor annoyance. Like, don't tease me with a screen I can't touch. You know what I mean? This last week, so there's a guy named Rich. I don't think I've talked about him before. Maybe I have. Maybe get to hear about him again. Rich is a guy who works at the rental car center. And I've had some conversations about with him about rental cars, and he knows I like stuff that's kind of cool. And so Rich, okay, so let me back up. So when I rented the, the, uh, the Challenger, when I had to drive home because I missed all my flights, Rich is the one who hooked me up with the Challenger. Not that the Challenger is some badass car, but that one was a lot of fun. So it is what it is. Since I couldn't get, you know, the exotic class C7 convertible Corvette. Exotic. There's a Lamborghini and a Ferrari out there. I can't get the Corvette because it's exotic. Anyway, so this time I get an SUV. So, so he hooks me up. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. This time around, he throws me these keys to a Mercedes. It's a higher mileage, but it's a nice luxury SUV. So it's got like 15,000 miles on it. This is a Mercedes-Benz GLC 300 formatic. This thing looks pretty cool. Drives pretty sweet. But let's get to stuff I care about. The technology on the inside. So you get in and it's got this glowing start button, which is kind of cool. Like a little warm, warm warm not the coolest interior but still kind of cool maybe it's just cool because again i have an old piece of shit for my daily it's got this really large display this thing's like i'm doing air quotes here or air air sizing so you can't see it's probably 10 inches by four and a half inches tall so 10 inches wide by four and a half inches tall and it's a touch screen baby like you can touch it so you've already won me over there it's got this super sweet reverse camera Super wide angle, super crisp, might be the best reverse camera. I mean, before I said the Volvo S90 had the second best behind the the Volkswagen Atlas. I think the Benz has a beep. And it's got another like super, super, super wide angle where it like glues wide angles together. And I can see traffic on a road like 75 feet away that I couldn't see because cars were parked next to me when I was sitting in the parking spot. So there's no reason you can't see what's coming at you from either way. Like, there is no reason. Thought that was really cool. Reached down to the side to adjust my seat. Can't find the seat controls. First off, for some of you have Mercedes, this is probably, like, normal for you guys. I don't. So I'm looking for the seat controls, and I can't find them. They're on the door. Like, they're right, they're on the door. So you want the seat heater, like, right by the door handle. You want to... Adjust your lumbar, headrest, the seating height. It's all there on the door. Kind of cool. One thing I hated about it, and it took me all week to get used to it. So they had to put, and to me, this was not intuitive. So if you wanted to reach down and you wanted to switch modes and you want to control the volume, it's down with your right hand. And you have to kind of like pull your arm back. It's not really in an ergonomic. So ergonomic is the way things are designed around you. It's not really in a good ergonomic position. So you almost have to put, you know, touch the screen all the time. 
talk about the screen. You can switch modes, which is cool. Like themes, I guess. So you can kind of be driving, do it. It's like those, those treadmills at the gyms or at the hotel gyms where he's like, now nah, you're running on the bridge, but you're not really running on the bridge. You're running on the treadmill, but it's made to look like you're running on the bridge, like those type of things. So it had all these cool different interfaces and you can look at all your, your torque and this little SUV. But one of the things I didn't like is to shift gears. It's on the steering column, like an old truck or an old car, like an eighties car. You know, you have to crank the thing up to go reverse and crank it all the way down to go in and drive, put it in the middle and you're on neutral. This one you didn't have to crank, but it had buttons on there. So you push the button in towards the steering column for park. So every time you got somewhere, it's, it was just kind of weird to get used to put in the park. The Audi on the flip, it was down in the center console like normal, but you'd have to push a button in to get in the park. One of the things about these little rental cars is getting used to how each manufacturer decides to fuck you over for a week while you're renting the car. Like, ha, we're going to torment you. And this is how we're going to do it. I will say that while this vehicle does have the ability to have CarPlay and it's no CarPlay, no J, I couldn't actually use the CarPlay because it only had a USB-C and some other weird outlet. It didn't have a standard USB outlet. Now, I've had vehicles before that have had a USB-C, but they've also had a standard outlet. This Mercedes did not have that. So I had to pair my phone, you know, via Bluetooth like, you know, normal people, I guess. So I'm driving to the hotel after Taco Tuesday and I start talking to myself because I always talk to myself because I have no one else to talk to. I think it's a song. But I was imagining things I would say about this vehicle. And so I was like, wow, you know, this Mercedes has a cool display. And when I said that, the Mercedes talked back to me. And I was freaking out because I didn't have my phone hooked up because I don't have Siri because I can't use Siri because it's not hooked up on the CarPlay. Long, boring story short, as long as your car is hooked up Bluetooth, you can interact with some AI voice now. I asked it to take me to my hotel. I told it the name of the hotel. I couldn't understand anything. Just wanted to know what phone number and who to call. Pretty cool. I don't have that technology in any of my cars, so I apologize if some of you are super cool and have this. I'm sure your Teslas can do everything for you. Could probably wipe your ass. I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. How'd the car ride? It drive it. Drove really smooth. Um, has HIDs, which I love that. Has the nicer wheels that you can get. I thought the car was kind of cool and I was like, man, this is, maybe I could drive around in this, but it's not much bigger than my normal car. Costs a lot more than my normal car. And then all I saw all week was a bunch of old ladies driving around in the same car. Price on these things is about 45000 I think, you know, 50000 I don't know if I would spend that for a vehicle brand new, but I would rent it again. I don't know, maybe I'd buy a used one for the right price. It's nice. I think I'd like to go bigger than what I have. Again, I have a 2007 Infiniti FX35 Sport. This would be a good substitute for something in the exact same size. It's small. It's like a Q5 or a Touareg or a Jeep Compass or even a Jeep Cherokee because they're like the same size for some reason. And that is Jay's rental car of the week, the Mercedes-Benz GLC 300. All right, it's time for the Instagram Profile Highlight of the Week. The Instagram Profile Highlight of the Week is sponsored by NSX Channel on Instagram, your number one source for NSX content. Whether it's bone stock, modified, or looks like a fighter jet like mine, make sure you stop by at NSX Channel on Instagram, which, by the way, they haven't posted my car in a while, so I'll make sure I reach out to Nico and bitch about that. Anyway, my Instagram Profile Highlight of the Week is GH Comics. 
Gabe Hernandez, welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jay. Thank you, thank you for having me. Um, appreciate it. Absolutely. So you have this comic. We met once upon a time, and I was inspired by your motivation. I thought that the comic itself was really cool, and it's not every day that I sit down and talk to somebody who's trying to create a comic, and I knew that one day I'd like to talk to you more about it. We talked about it in, what, Dallas, like last summer, and here we are, give you an opportunity to, to, to tell my couple dozen, I got a baker's dozen worth of listeners, so you tell <laughs> the baker's dozen of listeners kind of um, who you are and about yourself and this GH Comics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Gabe, Gabe Hernandez and um, GH Comics, first-time comic writer, I'm based out of Dallas, Texas, as you spoke, and it's been about a year, I think, or going on a year since we... Uh, we spoke about it, and thank you again for the uh, seeing the passion that I had about these comics that I'm writing. Just growing up uh, close to the border of uh, Texas and, and visiting uh, the border and, and crossing the border back in the days, we're talking back in the 90s when it was, you know, a little more safer, uh, just kind of gave me that nostalgic, you know, I was, was starting to absorb a lot of that visual uh, things that you see. When you, if anyone's ever been across the border, you almost, I feel like it's, you know, you walk into a time machine, you know, you go back 20, 30 years. So picture me as a 10 year old boy, first time visiting Mexico and just being, uh, you know, interested about, by it, you know, just wondering why is you, know, you cross one little line and it's like night and day. So, yeah, here, here we are. I'm 45 now, 30, you know, 30 years later, 35 years later, um, wrote my first comic based on my, my childhood experience of, um, being a part of all that and, uh, writing my first comic called Chingona Border on Fire. So yeah, your comic is Chingona which is badass woman, right? <laughs> right, right. Where does the motivation come from that? And you said you are, you're, you're paralleling that probably with some of the stories of your childhood growing up. Yeah, absolutely. So I get the inspiration from, um, you know, from my mother, uh, who uh, was my, my chief owner. And, uh, and during those days, you know, if you can picture a very strong uh, woman who pretty much would, uh, did everything in the household in our family. So, she, uh, you know, cooked, cleaned, worked, uh, did everything and uh, supported the family of, uh, didn't take nothing. Yeah. Didn't take crap from anyone. Kind of a, you know, the Latina version of Rosa Parks. So that's, that's what the term chingona comes from. Well, I was going to say, you basically just described the stereotypic Latino woman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Were there any flying chanclas? Absolutely. Flying chocolates, tortillas, you name it. It was, it was, it was all, over, all over the place. But most of the Latino women uh, in my life have, have experienced some, some sort of chingona. So it's kind of a, a parody. And then I've come a, uh, to put all this together and uh, every bit and pieces of different uh, people I've met throughout my lifetime is, is, in, is in these comics that I'm writing. So, it's, so we're talking to Gabe Hernandez of GH Comics. So tell the listeners a little bit about the main character. What is, what is this character's backstory? Cause I thought it was pretty cool and pretty fascinating. And I just wanted you to yeah. kind of share it with them. So the, the backstory is a, a native Afro Latina. Her father is the rodeo cowboy King and her mother coincidentally is a, a native American Mexican immigrant without giving too much of the story. Obviously I want everybody to read the comic, but giving you the breakdown of the story, she grows up in the backwoods with her dog, Luna, who's her best friend, who's actually a uh, superhero in this particular comic as well. That's her sidekick, her dog, Luna. So Luna got some powers. Up. She's got some powers. Absolutely. So she grows up and decides to leave to the military to uh, follow, follow her father's footsteps, who was once in the Army as well. 
um, comes back and uh, sees her family that have been uh, assassinated by the cartel and uh, vows vengeance. So this is where you get the story where the chingona kicks in. The super chingona. No one's getting away from the cartel, but with her, this is it. Like she's tired of this shit. It's time to wreck. <laughs> it's time to wreck. Exactly. It's time to wreck. It's time to wreck. So as she's, uh, you know, as she's in the military, she's uh, realizing how uh, uh, quick and faster she is than, than most uh, recruits in basic training. And she realizes that, you know, she, she's got a special ability and uh, so does a military. So there's an incident that happens while she's in training, basic training, without giving too much of the story. She comes back home and, and discovers a lot more about her childhood with books that her mom left behind. And uh, to put you this way, a hell of a bunker full of arsenal weapons, heavy machine guns that are left by her father, who just happened to be a, a former uh, Vietnam vet. So naturally, it's, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> that's where the story, that's where that first comic kind of ends, and you're going to see all that. And it's he's got some like, some commando shit. Remember that movie Commando? He's got some. He's got some old school commando Freaking stuff. Opens, from the opens that movie, shit, yeah. and yeah. He's gonna, you know, so it's it's got it's a really good story. I'm gonna go back, I take it back to the moment, to the origin story eventually. But with this one here, of course, I'm releasing the, you know, the story of the girl that you'll see a little bit uh, more of the information on the uh, the launch that I, I just launched ten days ago on Indiegogo. Right now, I'm looking for sponsors to help out and and just provide uh, material cost. Uh, if it was up to me, I would crank out all these four comics at once, but. I got four different stories ready in line after this one that I just got to release them at at a particular time so you can understand at least the trilogy I plan to release this year. So you mentioned Indiegogo, and we're going to hit that as we close in a little bit so that people know where to come and find this Chingona comic board on fire. So you also said, you also mentioned you have several of the stories. So is this, do you, do you have plans on them intertwining or is it just once you get done with Chingona, you move on to the next one and the next one. And, and are they all Gabe Hernandez presents insert title? Well, I was writing a novel two years ago, this particular story. I realized I was creating extra characters outside the, the novel. So the best way for me to was to, to break it up into comics and introduce these characters You'll see them uh, come together as we get uh, to the later volumes uh, down the road. So, yeah, it'll all be part of the Chingona series because I, I, I Got it. don't want to confuse people and have them branch off to different series. I want them to know that there's definitely a lot of good stories to be told. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And I'll be honest, uh, I can't wait to get them out as fast as I can. <laughs> like <laughs> I a bunch of, yeah. Back, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't give it, don't give it at all. Um, you know, a bunch of Sicarios out there, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's awesome. So before we close, it seems like the comic book industry is very much alive. I did, I collected comics when I was a kid. I went to the Phoenix Comic Fest a couple of years ago because of my car and walking around. I just saw all these different versions of Batman, all these other, these bunch of comic book, t- comic tables were set up. You know, there's a lot of startups that had tables there. You know, do you plan on doing stuff like that? And, you know, what is it you're looking at bringing to the industry that might be kind of new and fresh or that a lot of people don't know instead of just flipping from page to page? The ultimate goal is to write it, uh, do an animated series. Now is the time. And uh, with these comics coming out, I'd love to do some either animation or even a pilot series. That's So that's the plan. That's the goal. And uh, go from there. Sounds have good. Again, fun. I have a lot of fun. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. It's having fun, right? <laughs> it's, it's about having fun. 
Yeah, tell the people how to reach out to you. I found you on Indiegogo. We mentioned it earlier, indiegogo.com forward slash projects, floor slash chingona dash comic dash border on fire. How else can they reach you? So um, YouTube. So I have a YouTube channel as well. If you look up uh, GH Comics on YouTube, you'll you'll see uh, new releases. I'm actually going to do a, a new release here pretty soon on this next comic that's coming out. I encourage everybody to go to GH underscore comics on Instagram. Give Mr. Gabe a follow. You know, check his YouTube channel out. Um, I mean, if you have a couple extra pennies, man, you know, go to his Indiegogo page and just throw a couple bucks at him. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gabe. We'll talk. All right, it's time for our new segment, Q&A. I brought in a couple special guests, Matt Lindsay and Charles Brown from NSX Rack Repair. You guys remember them. You guys ready to answer a couple non-car questions and car questions for people? I think so. Well, the first one comes from Nathan Hoochins, 94. And I'm sorry, Nathan, if it's Houchins. It's spelled like houch, like couch, but it could be hooch, like cooch. Mm. Not, not the, yeah, never mind. So the first thing is, what do the majority of people think of your car wrap or where it's from? That's obviously catered specifically to me. I'll let you guys answer if you have an answer, and then I'll kind of tell my answer unless your answer is basically my answer. So what did you guys think when you first saw it? I don't remember if I gave you a heads up or not. Yeah, uh, I'd say most people think that it's a spaceship. Even though it's not, it's, you know, it's based off of the uh, uh, the anime with the... uh, did you think it was a spaceship? Like, what did you think? Or did you know? I didn't know. No, I I didn't know for sure. But yeah, I thought it was a, it was more of a spaceship than a, than a fighter jet for some reason. So I watched it growing up a little bit. And uh, uh, of course, I was, uh, I had the, uh, back in, I think, 98, I had the initial D series on uh, bootleg DVDs and all that stuff. So I was big into anime growing up. So, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's the VF, what's the, what 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 are you calling it? The VF what VF one S, VF one S. That's right, VF one S NSX. Yep. Anyway, I loved it. That was my uh, first impression of it. It's uh, very very different, but you could tell that it was you know absolutely you know well, well very time consuming and whatnot. And oh yeah, I, they were I loved. It. Yeah, absolutely. So what I get a lot is people are like, oh, man, I'm a big Star Wars fan, too. That's badass. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I get that. All, I get that a lot. I get spaceship a lot. And I think what happens is people see it and it says UN Spacey on there. Right. And so they automatically assume spaceship. Space Force. And while they do. Yeah, Space Force. And while they do fly in space with additional rockets and things attached to them, it is a, basically an F-14 based off an F-14 fighter jet. Right. I get that. You know, we kind of joke around. We call it Battlestar Galactica. Sometimes we call it the Falcon. You know, <laughs> my buddies and I, that we just know that, you know, we kind of laugh at each other. Well, the uh, NSX is based off an F-16. So you got the F-14 Correct. and the F-16 going on. Correct. Possum Killer. We'll go to the Possum Killer MK6. What's a 2000s trend you participated in that you're embarrassed to have done? Ooh, here we go. Charles, you want to take the lead on this one? Sure, I did the uh, the blue neon lights underneath oh, my '94 Supra. Um, I had a PlayStation Two with a cheap little screen in the dash. You're embarrassed about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not something I would do now. Okay, so um, I had the lights, and uh, I had a '99 uh, Carrera Coupe, and I hooked the uh, the lights up. Now, this was in 2001. But I hooked uh, or neon lights up inside the footwells, 
because my mm. car in particular didn't have the uh, the footwell lighting as, as some horses have. So I uh, and I didn't realize it when I bought them, but they would they would like uh, match or they would blink to the music. So yeah, <laughs> you, you, it, it looked one was uh, like mm. a like a red and a blue. So if I was driving down the highway, I even got pulled over one time because the uh, you know cop thought that I was uh, pretending to be a cop. You were just so, raving. Yeah, I was just in, enjoying uh, my, uh, you know, teenage years, and they they decided to uh, to stop me. <laughs> but uh, but that, uh, yeah, I was on special, and I had the uh, neon lights under it at one point, but that didn't last very long at all. And, and I also had the uh, I had a PS one in mine. I didn't have the PS two. Mm. But yeah, that's a uh, pretty fancy. I don't know if I had anything that I would say I was embarrassed to have done because that's just what people were doing then. Well, sure. I didn't do the neon lights uh, by the 2000s. You know, unlike you boys, I'd outgrown that. Mm-hmm. So in, in Dallas, we had that a lot, you know, in the late 90s, mid to late 90s with the low riders and the 13 inch wheels and all that kind of stuff and the mini trucks. But I did have the Alteza lights. Oh, yep. I remember everyone was doing that. So I had those on my DC2 Integra and then I had... The, the side markers was a big mod. So people were cutting out, you know, the metal on the front fenders and putting the side markers in. Right. Yeah. And I also did. I mean, I had the Indiglo gauges. Sweet. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I had the, the Apex Indigo gauges. I had the gauge pod and a big four inch, you know, muffler. But that was all powered by a Grady Turbo. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Yes. I used all four inches, buddy. <laughs> so that. um Worked it well for, and I blew it in like two weeks. How about that? That's hilarious. That works. But it works. Um, but I mean, I'm not embarrassed about it. That's what people were doing then. Yep. Well, I also don't know had I stickers the... of every manufacturer of uh, every mod that I had on my car on the bag glass. I didn't have that. I had a, I, I took the <laughs> DO, the DOHC VTEC um, sticker that they had on the Civic SI, the Niantic Civic SI. Mm. And put that on the side of the entire and I mean, it looked good. Maybe if I were to go back and look at it, I'm like, yeah, no. But yeah, no, I like that. I'm not embarrassed about it. I did the uh, the same stickers down the uh, side skirts on my. I uh, had a '94 RX7 for a while, and it actually ran. And uh, you had yeah, v, I, you had v, VTEC stickers on it. No, the uh, <laughs> just like gritty Apex I and you know, oh yeah, sure. Like that. Yep, that's what everybody was doing. That was the cool thing, yo. I tell people now, though, like, I'm not putting any decals on my car unless it's a sponsor of mine. Like, no more free advertising. Mm. It's like that. Right? And it's just like, yeah, it's like that, man. No, no K&N sticker on my, on my hood. It should um, be like that, though. It should be. And I know you, yeah. you know. All right, let's move to uh, the car questions. All right. Let's move to the non-car questions. Ooh. Now, the music pirate asks, what's worse, the double down or the donut sandwich from KFC? And I think the double down is, I guess I could Google it. I think it's like, I don't know if the, if the, Wasn't if that the chicken the breast, chicken, I think it was two yeah, chicken think, breasts with something's between it. Right. It's like know. the chicken breast is the, is the bread. Something like that. Yes. Ooh, but the donut thing sounds amazing. I would love to try it. Okay, yes. so here we go. We I just looked it up. So the the KC Double Down is basically a chicken breast sandwich inside out, essentially, because you have a patty on top, patty on the bottom. Are they patties if they're chicken? I think they're regular breasts, not like a. Regular you can't breast. call them patty. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you have like a, a breast at the top and the breast at the bottom. And in the middle, you have like bacon and cheese and all that kind of shit. 
Right. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously the donut chicken sandwich is you have a glazed donut and that is the bread essentially. And then you have the chicken in the middle. Kind of like a bagel. If they exactly would, like uh, a bagel. If they would throw in two fat thighs, you could call it the Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> the Clinton sandwich. Yeah, that that's nice, great. man. That's a <laughs> two small breasts and two fat thighs. <laughs> that's a good one. Here's what I would do. I think I would eat the KC KFC double down only because it's got all goodness. It's kind of dumb. Right. But I've had a donut chicken sandwich before. In Chicago, there's a place called Do Right, D-O-R-I-T-E, and they're known for their chicken donut sandwiches. So KFC is biting off of Do Right, and I've had I've had sure. those before. It's in downtown, and it's really good. It's a good one timer because yeah, sure. normalcy is good, and I just want bread. Yeah, I, I agree. But the, I could handle the donut thing, but the uh, yeah the uh, two breasts and the bacon and the cheese it just sounds like a a, a good gut grenade or something like that you know it would it would wreak havoc on your grill for for a week oh well still i don't think grilled is an option oh is it not is it breaded breaded. it's got to be it comes in a sleeve though (laughs) yeah wow so we used to we used to serve grilled like fish at long john silver's that's my first job i had and all we really did is we would we had like these special pans trays you would microwave it and then you put grill marks on it and that was the grilled fish no lie nice yeah wow so um, grilled yeah that was good okay and then the other question is let's go with would you eat durian do you guys want to talk about durian or you want to talk about basketball well i don't keep up with basketball i'm more into uh, nsx okay so would you eat durian? If you don't know what durian is, and this is from, from 39 Mad Nugan. Mad Nugan! I think that's what that is. Mad Nugan! 39 Mad Nugan. Mm-hmm. Would you eat durian? And so durian is, I want to say Chinese or Indonesian or something. It's the spiny fruit. It looks crazy. And apparently it's the stinkiest thing in the world. But apparently it also tastes really good. Hmm. Well, so you know, I, you know, I would try anything wits. I'll, I'll say that. Hmm. Would, What's the uh, wildest thing? Have you eaten anything that stinks or just things that just seem foreign to us on the West side of the world? Well, like that, uh, you know, the fish eye that I ate in Vegas uh, on a, on a dare that, yeah, it smelled pretty horrible as soon as I bit into it. And it was like, uh, you know, eating an AIDS infested marble. It just, <laughs> uh, it kind of exploded whenever you bit down on it, but there, the core was like really, really hard. Like and, how big was this thing? Yeah, it was so bad. And but you know they have that on video, so it's uh it actually has. yes I have video. Can you send it's that about to a marble me? size? It's more regular marble size. Yes, I will send it to you. Thanks, Charles. <laughs> Any Charles, what what about you? Uh, I might eat it. I'm definitely more picky than uh, the average bear, I guess. But uh, I've always yeah. said no. I've always said no. I wouldn't eat anything like that. Well, However, free. so if it was some kind of raw animal, like a, a puffer, they say fish it or smells, you, they say it smells like roadkill, mm, smells like garbage roadkill. Yeah. Probably well, now th- that is one thing I've always wanted to try though, is, is it, is it the puffer, no, the uh, puffer fish or what, uh, that, you know, in Japan, if it's prepared, just, um, you know, slightly wrong, it'll murder you. Right. 
Isn't that just a blowfish or something? Or is yeah. that? Yeah, same thing, I think. Yeah. Blowfish, yeah, flounder, or something like that. And I mean, you can order that at Long John Silver's, I think. I don't think you have to go to Japan for it. <laughs> well, it's probably different. I mean, not, I mean, Red Lobster, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Long John Silver. That's hilarious. Like Captain D's, yo. <laughs> yo, I know Captain D's. Do you guys still have Captain D's in Mississippi? We do, yeah. yeah. Well, when I was a kid, we used to go to Captain D's in, in Garland, Texas, and they've since closed them all down for obvious reasons, I guess. But remember, you get like the captain's basket or the captain's meal, and it, and it would come with like the soft shell or the crab? Oh, yeah. They yeah. still, they still have that there? Seafood platter. The, yeah, we do. The stuffed crab or whatever. I completely forgot about that till like a few weeks ago. Yeah, dude. You can't but, get that shit at half these other places. No, and this is uh, our closest one is about 25 miles away. So we, we don't, you know, we don't have one in town, but it's a. Uh, but I have eaten, I don't eat there often at all, but I have eaten there a few times. Special occasions, right? Yeah, just, uh, you know, on my birthday or something, I want to go to, you know, Disney World Some and Captain real fancy. Yeah. I do the same. Hey, honestly, I do the same thing for Long John Silver's. Like, if I had a bonus check when I had a normal job, like, I would literally just, it was kind of a joke, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to treat myself. And then I'd go to Long John <laughs> Silver's and I'd go to the drive-thru, get a number three platter, and I'd, I'd get clam strips instead of, like, the coleslaw, because coleslaw sucks. And I, I do that move where you pull over and you're sitting in the parking lot and you eat it in the parking lot instead of going inside because you're kind of ashamed and embarrassed. And then when you get done, you're full and you're ashamed and you just kind of like throw it out in the nearest trash and go home. <laughs> I feel you. Yes, that's funny. It's like the walk of I shame would, afterwards. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing, man. And now well, you, you got like eat a, by yourself. That's one thing. I, well, I do that all the time with my job, but now I have like a Long John Silver's friend. My friend Will with the Lotus, we'll go out and we'll do like Long John Silver's pop-up meats. That's cool. I've never ate at Long John Silver's. Ser- seriously, never ate there. It's we like we don't have Captain one D's, I guess. So what I eat durian, though, um, I, w- I, I don't know if I'd eat. I watched a YouTube video on people eating durian for the first time. I don't know. There's so many things in this world to eat. I could probably <laughs> not eat durian. Right, and live a long, happy life. Yeah, for as long as I as long as I need to. All right, guys, I gotta let you go. I really appreciate you guys stopping by for this segment, and we'll be talking to you guys soon for your end to end full length interview, and we'll talk about the other half of your business. All sounds great, sir. We're ready when you are. Charles Brown, Matt Lindsay, NSX Rack Repair. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, Jay. Congratulations, you've made it through another episode of the Hard Parking Podcast. want to thank all of our special guests that we had today, Matt Lindsay and Charles Brown of NSX Rec Repair, Mike from ElementWheels.com, the Chandler location, Arizona. You can follow him on Instagram at OceanBlueM2. Special thanks to Instagram profile highlight of the week guest, Gabe Hernandez. You can follow him at GH Comics on Instagram. You can go to his website, GH Comics. Go ahead and give him a boost. Help him uh, grow a little. Special thanks to Passion Hi-Fi for providing some of this badass music that I use. Special thanks to TalkMobileNet.com, DressUpBolts.com, as well as NSX Channel. And as always, you can follow me at NA2NSX. If you have any questions, email us at HardParkingPodcast at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, tell a friend. Thank you for sticking with us. You can also sponsor the podcast. If you click on a link, you can donate a little bit. Let's do this. Let's grow this scene together. And during these times with the coronavirus, it's pretty scary out there.